Good morning. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie every Friday here on 1150 AM KKNW. I'll be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. That's Mr. Van Connor. Yeah, we welcome him back today. Woo! Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I guess I'm a little more excited. I said, Van. <laughs> I'm just joking. Van, can you make me a Lift Your Spirit song? That was sweet. Yeah, yeah, that was an old song that uh, my brother and I wrote, uh, Patrick, my younger brother, uh, years ago for a band called Valis, Vast Active Living Intelligence System. Um, and it had the words, lift my spirits in it. And so Dina said, you should do a quick version of that for me. And I did. Thank you, Van. You're welcome. So Van and I met a while back. He's been on the show quite a few times. But today we have no plans. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. No. We're like totally in the present moment. One thing we did talk about is uh, there's a new record that came out yesterday on Valentine's Day. And it's called uh, Coming Back Again that Dina and I somehow ended up writing the songs for it together. Which is, what did we write? The duo? Oh, yes. <laughs> in our uh, in a little bit of the bio for the record, it talks about an unlikely songwriting duo of <laughs> Dina Marie and Van Connor. Or we could have wrote accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> we wrote some songs. Yeah, but, and that's what happened, really. So, so some of the listeners may not know uh, that you are a songwriter. And yeah. so who have you written songs for? Oh, well, usually... I think most of the stuff I've written, I've performed myself. Um, when I was about, let's see, when I was a young kid, I, I played instruments. But then when I was uh, in my teens, I started writing and my brother and I got together and we formed a band called Screaming Trees in the 80s. Uh, we toured, we had a few hit records, we ran all over the world. Um, as Spinal Tap says, we toured the world and elsewhere. Uh, had a good time, um, the highest highs and the lowest lows. Um, then I had a band called Valis, V-A-L-I-S, and with my younger brother, and we toured Europe and toured around, not on such a big scale, because what we were talking about before we came here, which is after the Screaming Trees, I had to rely on three other people um, for my livelihood. And, and if I got in a fight with one of those guys, well, my kids might not eat. So what I realized was that I started a software career after that. So now I can do music that I love and I could give a care, as they say, um, if people like it or not. I hope they do. And I hope it brings people happiness and um, but when you're in doing it professionally, you start feeling like I have to write a song that people will like. And and it actually is to the detriment, I think, of the music because it's not coming all the way from your heart then. Luckily, our band continued to persevere through other people telling us how to write our songs, which the last... Year, years we were together, we had to deal with that a lot because once you have a hit record, people won't get off your back. But to get a hit record, they don't care what you write. But once it's a hit, they think that they know better than you, the person who wrote the hit in the first place. So some of the songs you thought would take off didn't, and some of the ones that you thought weren't very good did. Oh, yeah. The biggest hit that we had um, 
I thought it was a terrible song that I came up with and brought it to the band, and uh, of course they helped me craft it. Um, however, I thought it was horrible, but the rest of the band were like, no, that's a great song. And to the moment that it came out, I didn't want that to be the single, but it was, and it, and it was a hit. And what was, song, what was that song? Oh, it was called Nearly Lost You, and that was... It was on the single soundtrack, which kind of kicked it into gear. And um, But to this day, like I played a solo show about, how long ago was that, six months ago or something? And we did that song, and that's the song that people go crazy about. And I'm still like big question mark over my head. Like, why do people like that song? <laughs> but it's funny like that. We got my little brother to come sing it. We played at the... Uh, the High Dive in uh, Fremont. With it was Patrick. a good show. With Patrick, and we had some kids from Skullbot and some kids from other local bands. And it was fun. And you started writing songs, but it was with your brother, Collaboration. Right, right. And then your lead singer would kind of help? Yeah, we'd, we'd all write together. Um, basically, my brother, I wrote a few songs, but my brother kind of picked up on it. Somehow, he just naturally could write poems and songs and um, he basically taught, I feel like he taught myself and perhaps our singer, he can attest to that, um, how to write. And then we started collaborating. And, you know, what would happen is one person would write something and then bring it to the band and we'd all work on it. So it was very collaborative. So, And then when I met you, you were, prior, Valis, you were writing songs with who? Yeah, that was uh, myself, Patrick Connor, my brother, um, Matthew Vandenberg. And then before that, we had Adrian Makins in the band, and we had before that we had Kurt Danielson and Sean Hollister. That that band started in 1996 as a side project for three bands: uh, Tad, Mud Honey, and myself. The guys from those bands we used to hang out in Ballard together. We kind of were tired of the people in our other bands, so we all got together every weekend and jammed in Dan Peters, the drummer from Mud Honey's basement. And who was writing songs? Oh, we all did. I mean, I, I usually kind of spearheaded the way much to the uh, chagrin of everybody else in the band, probably because I was a little stubborn at the time. I wanted things my way. I was a little headstrong. Thought I was, thought I was the bee's knees. Iron basically. fist? That's where I got the nick. I had a nickname. I didn't even know about it until years later somebody told me, you know what we call you behind your back? I said, what? They said the iron fist. And I said, well, what does that mean? Because you won't let anybody else write any songs but you, and you, you always have to have the last word. And I didn't realize I was being like that at the time. However, um, another thing they told me that was funny, they'd say, when you say, we'll see, that means no. <laughs> so they'd say, hey, let's try this part. Uh, we'll see. Hey, let's go play this show. We'll see. Apparently that means no. I didn't know that. And now you know. Now I know. Actually, yeah, I... In the last, you know, since 1996 when that band started, or since 1984 when Screaming Trees started, I mean, I've been through several lives. Um, two marriages, uh, four kids, uh, five grandkids, um, you know, friends, relationships, um, you know, when you're 50, uh, almost 52 years old, March 17th, coming up, uh, I think I've packed quite a bit of life into this one, and some people are surprised I'm still standing 
So you included, Dina. I think yes. you've been around for how long have we known each other now? It's been about three and a half years, but it seems like about twenty. <laughs> it's yeah. I've helped. We've Either helped each bad. other, but I, I've watched you go through a lot of uh, lifetimes in these three and a half years. Three and a half years has been. This has been a rough three and a half years for yes, me. Yes, it has. And when you and I met, you weren't writing anymore. No, I had. I basically. Vallis had basically not. We didn't really broke up, but we kind of stopped doing stuff. I had started a record label called Strange Earth Records. Um, I was busy. I, I kind of lost a spark. I was still playing and I was still writing here and there. I just couldn't get anything that I felt confident in. And I didn't. I had lost my songwriting partner. I had a band called <laughs> um, Brutus. We had two names. We, we were either going to be called Brutus or Van Chovy, and we recorded a whole record. I think one of the best records I ever did, and it's still in the can. It's never been released. Uh, my best friend, Chovy D, Ben Jones, he had passed away suddenly, and he was my songwriting partner, and he was one of my best, one of my best friends for about 20 years. Um, and that was hard. I felt like I couldn't write anymore because it was so easy to write with him. I just, I'd come in and... I have my guitar in my hand here, and it, I guess it doesn't matter if it comes over the mic, but I'd come in and I'd go, hey, man, uh, try this out. And it would start as a joke. It would be like, um, slipped on a banana peel just the other day. See, I'm just doing, I'm doing what we used to do right now. And the banana peel, I fell down. I couldn't find my way. Well, I slipping on banana peels all day and night. You know how it feels. And then he'd go, that's cool, man. Let's try. Uh, how about he slips on the banana peel, hits his head, and suddenly he goes into another dimension. And it's like, slipped on banana peel, waking up, nothing seems real. Astral projection. You know, like, we just go into this. And then next thing you know, we have a song. Like, Knievel the Sky, the last one we wrote together. We were like, because we were really heavy rock, so we'd be like, um, I was, I, I said, we were sitting before practice, because we always get there early, and I, and I I said to him, I said, man, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, we were like little kids, even though we're old men, you know. Wouldn't that be cool if, like, Evil Knievel had like a motorcycle and he built the biggest jump of all time. And the say what they would call that is, dude, I'm gonna Knievel the sky. Like so we wrote a song called Knievel the Sky based on this joke. It was like Knievel the Sky Stuff like that. I mean it was just that's how we wrote it. And that's how I met my new songwriting partner, who is Dina Marie. And what happened there, if you remember right, was we were hanging out at my house in Marysville, or parts un uh, my house in parts unknown. I used to call it because that neighborhood was quite a hood. I'll tell you. And so right? it was a nice place, but it's a hood. we had to chase people out of the backyard of the baseball bat occasionally. Um, early in the morning, always at four in the morning. I don't know what that was. So uh, we're sitting there, and it was nighttime. And I remember you and I had gotten into a discussion. And you went in the other room. And I took my guitar and I sat out back. 
and just started strumming, and I was goofing around, and I decided I was like, I knew you could hear me in the house, and so I did that kind of thing. I started a little joke. I went, why don't you love me as much as I love you? Why don't you love me as much as I love you? And then, and that's, and then you laughed, and you came outside, <laughs> and you said, "What the heck are you doing? What do you mean?" And and then, uh, no, that's the first time you ever picked up your guitar, and it's the only time I've ever heard you play. That's probably ever. right. And, so and I didn't even know you could play. You knew I could. I you did knew not. about Valis. You knew about. I gave you the no. Valis CD. I've never, just you never re- saw I've never even physically. heard a Screaming Tree album. So. It's crazy, but I this did not know you could play, yeah. except for one time, and you had well, a you witch knew, song you but did. But I had told you that you could that play. I could play, and you had seen my records. And but then how did, what was the next step? What happened with that? I, I, that's the part I don't remember. I just remember you doing that, and then you were you had writer's block. That's what you had. I had writer's block, yeah, since Chovy died. I mm-hmm. hadn't really written anything. I didn't want to write anything. I, I, I didn't feel like it, and... I'd been, you know, I still picked up my bass and my guitar and played a little bit, and I jammed with my friends, and I tried. We started a new band that we had never named, and I tried, and I tried, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I wrote songs, and it just nothing felt right. And that, it came naturally finally that night. I was inspired by our discussion. And uh, so, and we laughed, and then you came out there, and you said, that's actually pretty cool. And I said, yeah, and then the next day, I think I recorded on my cell phone just that little part. I remember it's because I'm a therapist counselor, and I th- let's do therapy on that song, like teenagers. That's right. How, who doesn't? Oh God, it's Valentine's Day afterwards. Right. Who doesn't know that they haven't been loved at one time? And like that was like a that's right. And we for started us. talking about that, and then, and then I said, "Hey," because we were talking about it, we started writing down ideas, and then I started crafting them into. The structure, and uh, do you want me to just go ahead and play it, uh, or is it want, a bad timing? No, I, I think we're going to take a break in a minute. But oh, is it okay? Now, so maybe okay, when we come so back, my light bulb just went off. We started doing that song and writing it because I'd been divorced a couple times. I was watching you be divorced, and you were going through your stuff. And so what came up was my divorce seven years ago, and your divorce you're Recently. going through. Yeah, yeah and, I was going through, and yeah, the I loss just had done and, and what what happened. Yeah. And 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 when we, I mean it's not like I mean basically it's a it's it's your traditional love ripped your heart out song that everybody can relate to and that's what we ended up doing but but if you want to sing it, that song now and we'll just go to break after the let's song. do it it's a short song and just know when you listen to it it's us going through our over fifty life and the heartbreak we had right. and it's about it and people about think anybody. I mean the van that's like he's singing it to me. <laughs> But it's both of us. It's no. co- a collaboration. It's it is, it's and so it's actually it's, it's 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 about it's anybody, anybody can relate to this. So, anyway, yeah, this is called uh, "Why Don't You Love Me." It's the first song Dean and I wrote together off the album "Coming Back Again" by Van Conrad. <laughs> Here we go. Why don't you love me as much as I love you? Why don't you love me as much as I love you? Why don't you understand that it hurts so bad 
When I hear you with another man Why don't you love me As much as I love you Well I was lost in the crowd With nothing to say When you showed me another way I felt alive again You were my only friend I wanted to live another day Well, everything you said Stuck inside my head Next to you in your bed And then the very next day It all fell away I knew I couldn't stay Why don't you love me As much as I love you Why don't you love me much as I love you Why don't you understand Why it hurts so bad When I see you with another man Why don't you love me As much as I love you And I was so blind I was out of my mind When I fell in love with you to feel again and you had my soul I let you play the role I have to wonder why we wasted our time but I'm still in love with you I think you played me the fool you broke all the rules I had to walk away from you why don't you love me as much as I love you Why don't you love me as much as I love you? Why don't you understand that it hurts so bad when I see you sleeping with another man? Don't you love me as much as I love you? You looked into my eyes and it felt so good. You had me hypnotized And when I held your hand For the very last time My heart went cold And then the truth was told You'll always love me Thinking about getting away for a day or an overnight stay? Pristine Pacific Northwest Island beauty is closer and more affordable than you may think. From unspoiled hills to uncrowded Puget Sound shoreline, from wildlife and stately evergreen forests to bald eagles and blue herons, Whidbey and Camino Islands have it all. They're both located in Puget Sound and are an easy drive from either Seattle or Vancouver, B.C. Both islands are accessible by bridge, and each island is a wonder of nature and scenic beauty to be enjoyed by the entire family. To visit this classic Pacific Northwest experience, visit WhidbeyCaminoIslands.com or like them on Facebook to see all they have to offer. You'll discover that island time is just a short drive away and can be affordably yours this weekend. Whidbey and Camino Islands, the shortest distance to far away. 
Pencove Brewing Company, located in Coopville on beautiful Whidbey Island, is a small, family-friendly tap room featuring local craft beer, wine, and cider from around the Pacific Northwest. The Coopville Tap Room was created by two brothers, following their dream of bringing a successful business back to the community they love, one craft beer at a time. Visit pincovebrewing.com, that's pincovebrewing.com, and check out the events calendar or sign up for their newsletter to get a weekly update on upcoming local live music, special events, and promotions right on Whidbey Island. Aloha! Join me, Dina Marie, on the island of Kauai. Let me be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. You'll receive daily healing sessions and experience fun, interactive outings to some of my favorite places, sacred sites, secluded beaches, and sunrises that will lift your spirits. Go beyond the tour spots, meet fascinating locals, and leave with amazing memories. Retreats are based on your schedule and budget. For more information, visit liftyourspiritswithdinamarie.com. On the path to good health and well-being? Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Take me to another place. Take me to new realities. On the new dreams. On the new dreams. Welcome back. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. And in the studio with me is Mr. Van Connor. Hello, Dina. That was a great song uh, for Valentine's Day after. Yeah, it's uh, it's for those people who it didn't quite go as planned, <laughs> or or life. Yeah, life didn't quite go as planned, but it never does for any of us, I don't think. And when we were writing that song, we play it for strangers, and these guys are like, oh. <laughs> "I just got it." Forcing them, but it did me. I mean, the thing is, is a lot of people like sad songs because they've been through it, and I think knowing that somebody else went through it, and I've always my songs, as you know, have always been semi-sad and negative. It's hard for me. You've been encouraging me to try to write some more positive songs. Usually I have positive with a twist or negative with a twist, which could be starts out positive and everything just goes to heck <laughs> in a hand basket. Then you got everything's horrible, but it's going to be all right. Well, that's so. now I remember we started as therapy. I'm, I was thinking, okay, well, why don't we get this out? It's like I always... I think your first prescription, which we'll say, was to write songs. And then years later, yeah. you were writing songs with me, which was right. totally a- accident. Right. And and it it's hard because we talked about this before, that I've only really had good writing collaborations with a handful of people in my life. Um, and I've tried to write with a lot of more people than I've written successfully with. You can write, I can write a junk song right now, roll one out there like I did a minute ago with, what was it? Lift Your Spirits? <laughs> well, no, not Lift Your, no. <laughs> oh, no, okay. No, the, no. Okay, I don't know what What are you song? talking about? <laughs> that was at the break. You guys don't know what goes on. No, let's breaks. not talk Let about him that. Do it Cheech and Chong. Let's <laughs> not talk about that. No, the one I was talking about slipped on a banana peel. I mean, oh, I can write, I gotcha. I'll write slipped on a banana peel all day. And I'll make millions off it. But I, I choose not to sell out with the Banana Peel songs anymore. Alpaca <laughs> songs. I heard, you, you sang to alpacas. Alpacas hate me. I don't know why. <laughs> they do. They, they, they just stare angrily at me. Yeah. So we started writing songs, and it was therapeutic, and it was fun. And Valen is ultra talented. I mean, he can just pick up anything. If I say, hey, it sounds like this, he just likes, listens to what I try to uh, get through to him and then we go back and forth and back and forth. And the second song we did was Coming Back Again. 
And that's because I believe, I'm going to say it, Van was a bard in my past life. <laughs> and yep. you have to look up bard, what they are. But they're storytellers, and, and they, they sing songs. And so here we are writing songs, and he's like, Dina, you're always living in the past. And that's where that one came from, coming yep. back again. That's right. Living in the past. Yeah, that song, um, it it has several meanings, but it, it I mean... It, it's kind of a hopeful song because it, it basically talks about even if this life is hard, there's probably going to be another one. And basically, it's read the, Read about, the small part. Oh, oh, I will. Which small part? The part where the verse where I made you go real slow and then get faster. Oh, yeah. It says, in the past you chose your fate. Your future moves on while you wait. There really is no time or space that holds you back. From what awaits, all the days worth more than gold, all the secrets will unfold. Don't waste your time on anything that forgiveness will not bring. Now, most of the lyrics in the song are based on things you told me about your beliefs in past lives, including one of the most interesting things that I actually didn't know about is your belief that you can pick your next life. And I picture it, you're standing upon a cloud, and you're peering down upon the earth, and you decide, I'm going to be born to these parents and be with these people and that type of thing. And um, I think it's very interesting because uh, my question back to you was always, and we had a lot of discussions about this that sparked these lyrics, was that, then why can't I remember? Like, you can remember, but I can't. And I'm not saying I don't believe in that. I'm just saying it's... It's interesting to me. I wish I wish I knew how to do that or I wish that natural talent if it is or freedom to remember those things or have an inkling. Is it more like intuition? I think you <clears throat> tune up your intuition, but people come back, example you, and you're amazingly great at writing music and, and playing, but there are a few things you're not so good at. <laughs> and other people are, you know, it's just like, like Capricorns, living. Capricorns tend to be really good with money. They're grounding. They're, they're behind the scenes making sure everything works. Thank Benny, you. Benny Mathers. <laughs> she just threw me right. And, <laughs> and Pisces. <laughs> Pisces, Pisces are dreamers. And they tend. And his, I'm a Pisces. And he's, yeah. you know, his birthday's what? St. Patrick's Day. I think he was in Ireland with me as a bard. And he was a young man playing music for me, which is what he is now. For the Irish. Woo. Yes. And yes. so you come back ultra talented with music. It's very easy for you. And then, you know, let's say paying your bills and talking to the IRS. I mean, those are things I hate. I love going around and, and bringing people yeah. together and doing my healing work, but I don't like certain things. I'm not good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it is true. When I think back when I was a child, I just, yes, my, my mom was a real talented musician. I, um, but I just remember it just, it was part of our family too. Everybody was expected to play instruments and, but it just kind of, it did come naturally. And, and I just never, I've never really had to try it. And that's kind of, I take it for granted sometimes in a negative way. I think, um, like in, uh, high school, in, in school, I, and I'm not bragging. It's just true. I, I was always the first chair player and all the instruments I played, trumpet, violin, French horn, all that stuff. And I was in a musical singing group and stuff like that. But I never 
practiced. <laughs> I never practiced. Okay, so let's, I, let's I just, go back every, to the they guy. They said, you need to practice three hours a night, man. I'd be like, okay, and then I'd go home and do my well, paper route. That would be the Capricorn. Okay, so yeah. basically you go back to the top, you're looking down, and you're like, maybe you had lifetimes where you weren't a musician. Maybe you were pulled away from music in that Irish life, and you went to battle. Let's pretend you were a warrior, whatever it was. Right. And then this lifetime, you're saying, you know what? I really want to go back to playing music and being with family and friends and going on the road. Yes, when I was standing upon the ivory tower, peering <laughs> down upon the earth, I chose I will be with Kathy and Gary Connor and have six brothers and sisters. and All be, play music. And, yeah. Band of brothers, take off at, what, 17, 18 years old and, and be bards. Bought our van for $1,000, hit the road, made our own record. And where were you traveling? Did you get to Ireland? Oh, yeah. So Europe is where you took off. That's where we first, yeah. Yeah, well, we, we uh, locally we started doing pretty well, and then we made our own tour, made our own record, made our own tour of the West Coast, bought a van, um, got signed to a little indie record label. Um, they had a booking agent. They sent us on tour in the States. Got a, then they said, hey, you know what? Some of our bands are starting to go to Europe. So we go to Europe. I think I was 19 Maybe, and I'm standing, next thing you know, I'm standing in Austria in a ho- fancy hotel room overlooking a beautiful city that never got bombed during World War II. Um, so it was just ancient, beautiful. Um, not, i never seen a mini bar before. I always tell that story. Um, I thought it was a gift from the club. And our drummer and I drank the entire mini bar and ate all the candy bars. And the next morning, all heck broke loose in the lobby, people yelling in uh, uh, German-Austrian dialects. And my brother thought he could speak German, and oh, 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 it was a nightmare. People <laughs> screaming and yelling. The minibar story. Yeah. <laughs> well, here you are, Van Connor. Yep. Yeah, and every night, that, that tour, it was bizarre, because like, we, we go to the first club, packed. Next night, packed. It wouldn't let us off the stage. It was just... It was amazing. And then we, you know, we came home and we started to get more and more people at the bigger cities and went back to Europe again. Europe was kind of the main thing. And then, but we just kept pounding out in the States till finally, um, I remember we were in Texas somewhere playing with this guy, Mojo Nixon and, and Firehose. And there was, there's this stage with giant cactuses on it and everything. And our manager came backstage and said, you have a hit record. And I said, what? Your record just sold like 20,000 copies in like five days. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, no, you have a hit. And we're like, shut up. You're somebody now. We've been doing it for six years, you know, just touring clubs. And, you know, even in Europe, it was clubs, you know, but they were packed, you know. But but it was just, I just remember that feeling. It was so weird. It was just a weird feeling. We've done shows on that. You can go to the archives, but there's a few shows about what came out of that. And so what have you learned? What have you learned? I've learned that every everything I've done and that everybody's done is just a, an experience. Um, also, I've learned taking chances is good. Taking chances is good. You just have to be ready for success <laughs> because... Uh, I everything I've done, everybody's told me, you can't do that. Why don't you just 
stay here and do what's expected of you. And when I do follow my dreams or follow my intuition, usually it works out as long as I do it in a, I don't want to say unconscious manner, but not striving. I never wanted to have a hit record. I thought at one point after five or six years, I thought, well, it would be nice to not have to go home and have a, you know, a regular minimum wage job at a driving theater or something, you know, or at Albertsons or at uh, my parents' video store. You know, I, I thought that would be nice to be able to make money doing this, but I never thought that that would happen. And just like I never went to college and I ended up applying at Microsoft after the band kind of fell apart and got a job there. And everybody said, you can't do that. You have to go to college, you know, but I, I did that and I've been doing that for 20 years. Um, so I think that the main takeaway from my life is, and, and that's what I have to continue to do now. Now that some things have fallen into place in my life again now, that's my goal right now is just to, you have to have something that you strive for. And right now I'm striving for putting my life into an orderly fashion. Because the last three years, as you said, since we met, and it has nothing to do with you, but I've managed to create quite a ruckus in my life. And uh, now things have evened out and I'm flying at a steady altitude and turbulence has gone away and I'm doing the next expected thing. And, and I finally have, I didn't have any, I didn't want anything. I thought I was done pretty much. I mean, not done with life, but just done with a dream, done with ambition. I just wanted to park it and, you know, eat food and go to sleep, wake up, probably. <laughs> Maybe stay in bed. Yeah. But now I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Every morning I wake up, I look forward to the coffee first. I go do my thing. Um, today we're you and I are going to head out to Whidbey and go on an adventure that we make up as we go. Um, uh, we... I am so lucky, and that's what I forgot. I forgot how lucky a person I am, and 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 to have the people around me, and to have the life I've been afforded that I picked. <laughs> I chose this life. Well, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, and we're I'm learning sorry. something. And we the the I started this song. We called the small things, and and that's a new one. We're, we're starting on. this. It is the small. We're thing. starting to work on new songs. We talked about maybe not. We we talked about. Well, I think we got burned out a little bit, and so today, just now, right before this show, I sat down and I don't know if this mic's on, Benny, but I sat down and suddenly I went, I went. Anyway, so I I started writing a new song, and I think it might be called "Let It Go." I'm not sure. Because yesterday I was at work and there was this book scene that said the answers to everything. I didn't know what this book is. I open it and it says, let it, let it go. What you, oops, is that me? What were you trying to let go of? You just decided to do something. 
Van and I have been working through a lot of things, but stuff. The stuff that weighs you down, which is our Legacy of Green song. The stuff. I've watched you get down to one storage unit, but it was like really painful for you to let go of memories and things and stuff now you know you don't need, but there was this one thing you were holding on to. What was it? My boat. My other, my (laughs) last boat. I had three boats. And I got rid of two. I got rid of one, got rid of the other, and I had one left, and I really wanted to keep it. And I guess I'm going to sell it. And then he opens his book and says, let it go. It's just an exercise, I believe. But anyways. I didn't even equate that until just now. Oh, oops. I thought you did. (laughs) But that's how it kind of works. It's synchronicities. And when you let go, the universe opens up. And we were talking about doors. Doors are shutting. I'm going to buy another one, though. Of course you will. But you're letting go of memories of the past. Living in the past. All of our songs are definitely spiritual, whether you, all of them, every one of them. And it was therapy for both of us. And it's probably the most, gosh, life-changing thing I've done. And I didn't know until now that we sit and listen to the songs and I don't feel connected to them like I did before. Right. I just listen to them going, hey, that's good advice. (laughs) I should probably follow it, right? That's what you're teaching me. And we said something the other day um, about sometimes, I don't know if it's burnout, but. Sometimes you hear something so much when you're working on it. And we talked about this. Um, and I know you learned a lot through the process about um, the excitement of it and then the drudgery of making a record and the burnout on the songs. And we hadn't listened to it hardly at all till we're making a video right now for one of the songs. We're working on two different song videos for them. And... Uh, we started listening to it again. We're like, hey, it was pretty good. <laughs> Haven't listened to it because we quite stopped a while. listening to it because it's just too too many times. I mean, well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our last break and then we're gonna talk about drudgery. <laughs> You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Dina Marie, you've heard me talking about writing songs with Mr. Van Conner. Well, I'm happy to say that our album is out now. It's called Coming Back Again, and it features songs like Legacy of Green, Silent Universe, and the title track Coming Back Again. Our album Coming Back Again is now available for streaming and purchase at your favorite online retailer, including iTunes, Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, and many more. Go to dina-marie.com. That's dina-marie.com for a full list of retailers. Watching the sunrise, an ocean stands between us. Look into the sky. Think of second chances. Look into the past. A thousand miles between us. Coming back. Oh, yeah. 
bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. And in the studio is Van Connor joining me. Hello. Ooh, let's talk about effort. And sometimes we even like put it down and we weren't going to pick. We didn't even intend on making an album. That just came out of the blue with you because you had access to a studio. Right. Yeah. My friend um, Matt Vandenberg has a studio and uh, I've... I've helped him out with it over the years. He's he's totally built into this amazing place now. And uh, basically, he kicks me down free studio time. <laughs> and that was great. Also, um, we have a little Seb at home. And with digital uh, production these days, it's it's really easy to, especially an acoustic album. So we, we got two songs we did, uh, Coming Back Again and... Why don't you love me? And then uh, Rhino Bird was one that you sent me when you're kind of depressed at one point, which I yeah. really like the song now. I didn't like it at first because it was yeah. too slow. Well, I really like that song. That song is a good example of letting life experience guide your songwriting because that song actually is about a guy who I met who he was an MIT. Um, he, he got accepted at MIT. He... Um, fell into some hard times with substance abuse. Um, he then built a huge successful construction business in New Orleans. Hurricane Katrina wiped him out, went back to substances, went to prison. And that song's about his trials and tribulations. He gave me permission to write it. I didn't mention his name, and I won't. Um, he's from uh, Southern California. And uh, amazing man, intelligent um, but that song, it talks about what it's like to be in basically solitary confinement and how your mind is, if your mind is controlled, and we watched something about a, a man who's in solitary confinement for 40 years last night, I believe, um, a guy from the Black Panthers. Um, it, he was in uh, a prison down south and the longest person in solitary confinement in America ever. Um and how he survived through living outside of his cell in his mind. And, and when I, I hear the song, I can think that other people can just identify with that feeling of that deep, dark depression. Whether you're locked up in a cell or not, sometimes depression during the winter especially, it, it, it's the, the song, it just, it just makes you feel like you're not alone. That's how I feel, like you're not the only person suffering. Makes you want to play that song. <laughs> well, and then I want to bring up a few other songs where, like, you and I, the collaboration part, how we would go back and forth. And it was a give and take, and you never did say, no, we're never going to. What did you say to the other bands? Like, we'll see. We'll see. I still have <laughs> said that to you. I've Oops, catch myself I catch myself saying that. that now. Yeah, I catch myself saying, we'll see. Uh, we'll try that later. Okay. Um, however, yeah, when you get down to two people writing a song, you can't ever say, I, I, I don't know if you can't ever say, but you need to be really open to hear it, what they have to say. Now, in the <laughs> past, in certain bands I've been in, I've been the ruler, or dictator, or whatever. But in this situation and the situations that are always the most um, satisfying and successful, I'm not talking monetarily necessarily, but in writing a good song is 100% openness to hear what the other person says and maybe sleep on it and bring it back. 
Okay, relationships. We're going to do a second uh, part to this conversation next Friday. But, yeah, relationships, that's what songwriting is. And it's like it learning is. how to work well with other people. And I guess a good band over time is, is a good relationship. That's it is. And sometimes they get rocky, though. And sometimes our, our old drummer, Barrett Martin, he used to say that uh, when he joined our band, we were in a very rocky situation, a lot of fights, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment because we all grew up in our childhood together. Um, and he said, I said, man, after he'd been in the band by year, I go, man, this must seem totally insane to you. We're crazy. And he goes, he goes, man, sometimes when it comes to art, chaos is where the action is. And that can be true. Chaos can breed some pretty powerful music and art and anger and, and even hatred and, and pain. And, and these, this album has some pain in it because if you can share that, on a recording and then let other people hear it. Like I said earlier, I think people can relate to it and it, it helps like the band joy division, for instance, some of the most depressing songs I've ever heard have helped me, you know, help me get through hard times. The wipers, great band from Portland, Greg Sage. Yeah. I mean, they helped me through some really hard times. And our songs are that cause we put it down and walked away three or four times and then we came up with a song, My Redemption, and you always said, these songs are just basically, like, it. sometimes you have to take uh, responsibility. It could be your fault, and maybe you're not oh, yeah. pulling your, your weight. And we, um, I really have been exploring that lately um, through a book that we started reading called... You Can Heal Your Life. You Can Heal Your Life by... Louise Hayes. Louise Hayes. So I just found out about this person, and I started reading it yesterday. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing because it's a lot of the concepts I've been thinking about where you have to take responsibility for the good and the bad in your life. You can't, or I don't choose to blame anybody but myself anymore. And not an evil, bad blame, but more of an acceptance that I have a choice. I have a choice in everything I do. Even if somebody's repressing me and keeping me down. I have a choice to be repressed or fight it or not fight it or go with the flow, you know. And I want to talk about overproducing. I'm only going to do it as a metaphor because what we could do in that studio was take a song, acoustic song that you could sing anytime, anywhere on the beach or with a bunch of strangers, right. and we overproduced it to the point where you couldn't play it anymore. It was it sounded amazing, and I thought about life. You know, we can overproduce. Everybody out there is hurting. Everybody. I don't care who you are. You've got some place in your life that needs some TLC. But when we actually pretend like we're something we're not and we put on a huge facade and, you know, you're all uh, white. Wait, was it when the the brush, when you're taking a picture and it takes all the wrinkles yeah. out of your face? I think that life has been overproduced. And I think we need to get back down to that we're all human. We all have flaws. And we're all going through stuff. And so you take a song where Van's going. <laughs> well, you listen. Yes, on the record, I had the sniffles. A few we times. could not get rid of it, but it's I all left good. it in because those were the best performances. So, um, life is such. At one point, I started re-recording everything, and I, I wanted everything to be perfect. And then we said, you know what? I'm just going to use those rough mixes because the performance was better, and the album was going to be like have violins and <clears throat> full band and all these things because. The, one of the best, most overproduced albums of all time is the last album that Screaming Trees did called Dust. 
and it is just a masterpiece, I believe. And and I usually don't say that about my own stuff, but it is overproduced and it's genius. But we had the resources, and also we managed to pull it off live afterwards. Now, when you're just a guy on acoustic guitar playing, and then you bring in all these people, it kind of makes it impossible to then go out and play that again, which I haven't been playing live these songs yet. I think I played two songs and I played a show once, but I, I hope that I get the uh, the gumption up to go out there and and do some shows re- um, in the near future. You know, one day at a time, yep. Ben Connor. And we want to thank who do we want to thank who when we stripped it down ha- helped us. Master. Oh, Bradley. Uh, Bradley produced it. Helped us produce. Yeah. And Bradley Leanna. Bradley Lania, Lania, and what's he? I always Vaudeville Etiquette. His band. Bless, great bless band. you, Bradley. <laughs> yeah, Bradley and um, uh, Hunter Ventura played some guitar. Jack and Dino helped out. He mastered it and he played drums. Matt Vandenberg um, played drums on a song. He also um, helps with studio time and moral support. And uh, then. Um, Several other people, too, um, you know, got us through times where encouraged us to keep going. And So, finally. It's now available on Amazon, Apple iTunes, Spotify. If you go to Dina Marie's webpage, Dina-Marie, I mean, Dina at Dina-Marie.com, um, and go to Coming Back Again page, it shows, it has buttons. You can click to go buy it wherever you want. Um, Strange Earth Records is one place you can buy it. And you can listen to it for free, too. YouTube, um, Strange Earth Records. Most places you can listen to the whole album for free. Just check it out. But I, I think for us, it's been a huge milestone. And it's it's changed me. Like, the whole, you know me, I'm a loner. I want to go off and do my own thing, and it's really easy. But for me to work with you side by side and, and not just run away, that's what the silent universe is about, is me just like, I'm done with this. I got to go. I can't take it anymore. And then somehow I'm drawn back in. And then every time we get this thing going again, I see a lot of doors opening, but a lot of healing that went on between you and I separately and together. I agree. And here we are. Here we are. We don't know what we're doing. We don't even know how it got finished, <laughs> honestly, do you think? I how, do. How? We finished it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that. A little bit of a miracle. Uh, so it's uh, coming back again is probably what we're going to end the show on. Is that what you want to do? Sure. Yeah, that would be good. This is the song that you talked about. about coming back lives. again. But um, I'm going to say, too, uh, my, we're going to do another show next week because there's a lot of other things that went on between you and I. You weren't really into some of this healing things I did, and now you're talking about a book you can heal your life. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, to my in my defense, I actually have been in that stuff my whole life. It's just I always approach things from more of a scientific point of view and with the last 10 years' uh, advances in the understanding of quantum mechanics and quantum physics, um, your beliefs are probably far more likely than most that I've run across. So um, with the, uh, if everybody could look up the laws of observation um, that deal, that that relate to quantum uh, mechanics, um, it, it really manifesting, 
things with your thoughts is is really what mainstream science now sees as a reality they don't understand. And you explained to me today on the write-in, which I never heard you say, is that the whole time, even when, can I say, because we have a show on you being bullied as a kid, or the, the yeah, hard yeah. times you've been through, you've always had a voice saying, you're going to get over this, or you're going to be fine, or you're going to... You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And I always somehow have managed to pull the plane out of a dive. Perhaps that's the Boy Scout training. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> you know, because a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, kind, courteous, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. But I want to go back to a mother <laughs> who, when you came home and you felt tormented, said, Van, you're yes. a beautiful young man. Yes. My mom, yeah, she she really, in my younger years, got me through a lot of the bullying. Not by going and beating up the kids who bullied me, which I probably would have preferred, but by saying, Van, you're better than them. And somehow thinking I'm far superior to everyone else got me through it. Not that that's advisable, but I had to do something because I did go, I, I had quite a, quite a growing up. Well, I look forward to having you back next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about how how do we pick ourselves up when we're down, or how do what's some helpful tools to get us through this life that we love so much. That's good. So it's coming back again. You can go to dina com, get information there, or go to a screen a screaming tree. Start strange earth records records dot com. Actually, that's not the URL, but just go to just go. Van Camp, Strange Earth Records. And it'll come up. Or Van Connor, Coming Back Again. You'll get there. Coming Back Again, Van Connor. So we're going to end the show with Coming Back Again. That's the name of our album. And he's going to play to the end of the show. So join us next week for more people, places, and activities that will lift your spirits. All right. Let me make sure this wonderful guitar is in tune. Sounds all right. All right. This song's called Coming Back Again. Believe me when I say That you never found your way I saw you die that day Until the next life I will wait When you're living in the past the dreaming fades so fast You know you're coming back When you're living in the past Cause you're coming back You're coming back again You're coming back You're coming back again I said you're coming back you're coming back again Coming back, you're coming back, you're coming back again.